0: there i'm mike some of you know me from the twisted cape some of you know me because approximately three times a week i have unprotected sex with your mother and she be throwing that thing with impressive velocity but regardless of how you know me you know i love comics and that's what we talk about on this podcast welcome 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 to mike's big stack oh hell yeah my thickies welcome to the show everyone recording as always at thickness central keep going with season three of mike's thick stack with a thick episode two with two weeks worth of books as always we start with this city shout outs what's up to the friends in Lilburn, georgia we got some homies in somerset new jersey thank you so much for checking out the show we got some friends out in Quakertown, Pennsylvania, just up the road here. Thanks so much for listening. Hey to all those in Richardson, Texas. We do it big in Texas. Hey to everyone in Council Bluffs, Iowa. We got you guys keep coming back and we just keep appreciating you. So thank you so much. Over across the pond, our friends in Brussels, Belgium. Man, just I love seeing you guys in the city shout-outs. And finally, City of Angels, Los Angeles, California. Thanks so much for listening and coming back over and over again. Now friends, let's go on over to Mike's thickometer. Oh yeah, Mike's Thick-O-Meter. So thick I call it Thick Offerman. This week clocks in at another 10 out of 10. This thing is huge. It features a huge 27 books from 2 weeks worth of issues here. The stack has a Marvel advantage this week, so let's get to work with those Marvel books, starting with Amazing Spider-Man number two. Things with Tombstone escalate as we get clues about what Pete has done. I gave this a 3.75 out of 5. Norman pays Peter to babysit Normie and Stanley, which is hilarious to me. He does a good job, but ends up with putting in his mask. Meanwhile, Tombstone spends a lot of time plotting. Lonnie actually undoes the capsule on his teeth, signifying a return to his street roots as he goes to war with the Rose. He plans a successful trap for Spidey with White Rabbit after he captures Crime Master. Pros start with John Romita Jr. for me. He nails a ton of spider poses in this issue. I also like how much of this issue actually focuses on Tombstone. Cons are Peter being arrogant and rude. against the archetype for the character so i'm more curious about how he got here than anything else now we have avengers number 56 a gene-centric mephesto temptation story i gave this a 4.25 out of 5. in a disorienting start gene wakes up in a world in which she's married to thor living an uncharacteristically domestic life she quickly realizes that something's off she starts to break free of the hallucination and starts to fight a group of Mephestos. Jane is rescued by another Jane a Mighty Thor from a different reality. She realizes that she misses the power of Thor and Mjolnir. The Temptation was Mephisto's game all along. Pros are that Jason Aaron yet again writes a banger of a Mighty Thor story. Javier Garon's art complements the story so well too. It's such a good ride. Cons are that I'm not exactly sure how this fits into Jane's overall narrative, especially since she has the all-weapon now. Now we have a look at banner of war these got bumped up to fit in alphabetically and uh, so i can keep them together so in thor number 25 an oversized issue the massive struggle continues and adds two backup stories i gave this a four and a half out of five iron man goes after hulk in an effort to settle a score while hulk and thor beat the hell out of each other odin is working in banner's brain to help stop this in a cool sequence in a bar in banner's mind but eventually gets interrupted when Thor recalls Mjolnir. He realizes there's a problem when Iron Man shows up in a celestial-themed suit. The backup stories include an enchantress story and an adaptation of a Norse mythology story where Thor marries and then slaughters a frost giant. Pros are the creative team overall. They work so well together and all three main facets hit really hard. Cons, and it's minor, is the second backup story. I love Enchantress, so I had no problem there, but the second story is just a silly way to sneak in some extra work. Maybe make that one digital instead. Alright, now we have the other part of Banner of War for this week. Banner of War, Hulk number 7. The Hulk-Thor battle rages out of control with Iron Man's involvement. I gave this a 4.75 out of 5. What the hell was the awesomeness of this issue? Iron Man and Hulk get into it, not realizing that Starship Hulk doesn't realize that he's free and will not hold back. Thor tries to stop Tony, Hulk slams Iron Man, and Odin tries to reach Banner again, resulting in a massive gamma explosion. That one is Tony's fault. Barely protected from the explosion, Tony stumbles out of his big armor, in a smaller armor of course, to find a gamma-infused Thor. Pros again are the creative team. Holy shit, these splashes are incredible. The pacing is excellent. Cons for me are the inclusion of Iron Man in this. Despite being a good story reference for Thor, he really messes things up. That said, it's a minor complaint. Next up, we have Devil's Reign Omega, a wrap on this Marvel event. I gave this a 4 out of 5. Many characters attend Matt Murdock's funeral to keep up appearances. Matt and Electra reveal that they're going to destroy the hand to Luke and Danny while Jess frees Kilgrave's kid and takes him home. Finally, Kirsten takes a moment at the gravesite and puts the rock that helped create Mike in the coffin with him before he gets buried. Then there's a backup story of Luke Cage relaunching the Thunderbolts as mayor of New York City. Finally, there's a backup story setting up Cage as mayor. Pros are the writing of all these stories in the accompanying art. I love the bigger place in the world for a black hero like Cage again. I just love him as a central Marvel U character. The cons are that for a Daredevil-centric story, neither Daredevil is in this book very much. I'm excited to see the future of the book, though. Next up, we have Eternals number 12. Groundwork is laid for AXE this summer. I gave this a 3.75 out of 5. The issue picks up with the Avengers and Eternals fighting as Thanos attempts to upgrade himself with Druig. Thanos activates his failsafe, summoning the Eternals, also triggering a fight, and also his body being neutralized and kicked into the time stream by Druig. The Eternals and Avengers part ways for now. Icarus gets called by Sophia Robson, who tells him to keep doing good. Druig becomes Prime Eternal and sets his sights on a new source of excess deviation, none other than Krakoa. Pros of the pacing for this issue and all the different action sequences. I loved watching Thanos' smugness get taken away, and also all of the action. Cons for me are that I'm not sure that I love the scope of this upcoming event. We'll see how it goes. Now we have Fantastic Four, number 43, Reckoning War Continues. I gave this a 4.25 out of 5. The Badoon invade Earth and run afoul of Victor Von Doom. Franklin and Val jump through a depleted Forever Gate, making everyone who's gone through stuck where they are. Turns out Uatsu was correct in interfering on Earth because all the zero energy would have destroyed the planet, and then Uatsu's father gets killed. Doom wins his battle and sets his plan to win the war in motion, and Johnny rallies all his space allies. Pros are how dense this book feels, being the size that it is. There is far more that I could fit into this episode, but I just don't have time. Cons are that because so much is happening, the stories I care about most get neglected. I want to know more about the core of the team, but I know we aren't going to get there until the series wraps. Next up we have Immortal X-Men, number 2. Consequences of Selene not being added to the Quiet Counselor are felt. I give this 3.75 out of 5. Selene sends a giant magical bug to attack Krakoa, setting Hope and Sinister up to have some big hero moments. Selene's monster is slowed down enough for Destiny to suggest a time and location for a hit on Selene to Hope. Hope acts, and Resilor acts Selene, and she's stripped of her powers. The issue ends with Destiny seizing on the ground. The pros are that I love how much of a badass Hope is in this issue and how much Sinister looks to advance his own cause. I like his selfishness. Cons are that I'm having difficulty finding the place for destiny in this title. What's the point if she's just going to drop suggestions and then don't actually do anything else? I love her and Raven together, but I need more than just their presence in each issue. Now we have a look at Legion of X number one. Legion and Nightcrawler attempt to steer mutant kind with a police force of sorts. I gave this a 3.25 out of five. Take one of the worst things humanity does and adapt it for mutants. What could go wrong? Legion is reunited with a blindfold in the mind space that he's created. Nightcrawler goes to Arako and gets to weigh in on some crime type things, but with Araki gods. On Arako, Nightcrawler meets Orasirata, as well as weaponless Zen, and starts to learn more about Araki culture. Meanwhile, David informs Warlock that his father has died at the hands of Nimrod. As Legion returns to Blindfold, they're greeted by Mother Righteous, who offers power or glory. Pros start with how this expands the Iraqi culture. It's so deep and interesting. I also love the recurring joke with Zabi, a.k.a. Forget-Me-Not. They just never remember who he is. Cons are that I don't love the idea of mutants essentially taking the job of police from humans and adapting it. Think of something new and approach it entirely differently. Evolve past that, especially knowing how well policing goes with humans sometimes. Now we have a look at Moon Knight number 11. Moon Knight decides to get serious with Zodiac. I gave this the coveted 5 out of 5. Moon Knight, Rutherford Winter, and Tiger go on the offensive to rescue Dr. Sturman. Mark beats the shit out of Jigsaw, who is holding the dock. Zodiac has done some horrible shit, including beating and binding Hunter's Moon outside of the Midnight Mission, and vows to kill everyone in the neighborhood unless he gets and kills Reese. To stop this, Mark goes the one way he knows he can, back to Khonshu, who makes very clear that there will be a price. Tiger comes clean about spying, but Mark already knew, and says that he needed a friend, which she always has been. In order to save the people of the neighborhood, Reese comes outside with Soldier dressed as Mr. Knight pros are just where do i even fucking start pacing art story violence quite possibly a perfect book cons are the delays this book is so good and waiting extra weeks for it feels painful sometimes now we have a look at new mutants number 25 magic attempts to give control of limbo to madeline Pryor. i gave this a three out of five sim gets a power up in limbo while iliana trains on Krakoa as her teammates try to talk her out of putting Madeline Pryor in charge of Limbo. They travel to Limbo and start the transfer where Ileana states her desire to be free. Sim and others burst in and attack the mutants and Magic's Soul Sword gets shattered by Sim. Then they try to run to warn Krakoa but get stranded in Limbo. Pros start with the art. I love the painted style of this book. I also love the focus on Magic and Limbo. Cons start with the pacing in the book because it really has flow issues, but the stakes and writing work very well otherwise. Next up, we have a look at Savage Avengers number one, a new Avengers team featuring Conan shortly before Marvel loses the license. I gave this a three and a half out of five. Conan is doing his thing against cultists and Deathlock shows up to take him out for his crimes against the time stream. A Dying Cultist brings Anti-Venom, Electra, Project H, Cloak, Dagger, and Black Knight together. They battle the Deathlock, and the team ends up in Conan's native highborn age. Pros are the vicious nature of this book and the oddness of the assembled team. This is not a kid's book and doesn't proceed like it is. Cons are that I don't love that you center a book on a character that in all likelihood you're going to have to kill off. Overall, a pleasant surprise for me, especially because I almost didn't add this book to my pull. Now we have Savage Spider-Man number three. The Savage Spider and the Spider-Man wrestle for dominance. I gave this a 3.25 out of 5. Spidey has been dominated by Zemo, who is trying to use him to do killing on his behalf. Despite the various stages of destruction and violence, Peter finds a way to make his voice heard and protect innocents. Meanwhile, Zemo slithers his way into the Immaculatum, and joins up with them on their way to attempt world dominance. It seems like they've killed Spidey at the end, but the man is freed with a logical ferocity to him. Pros are the pacing, like non-stop Spidey before it. Also the writing. I hate Zemo because he's an absolute piece of garbage, and that's damn good writing. Cons are the immaculata. There have been so many supervillain teams and this one just seems so half-baked compared to the rest, despite trying to rely on logic more than some of those other teams. Coming up on our last few books here, we start with Wolverine number 21. This Deadpool team up goes awry. I gave this a 2.75 out of five. Logan and Wade fight for and over a briefcase that they're hunting. Wade gives some exposition about how he got involved, and as they attempt to shake their pursuers, they get cornered by a bunch of Wolverine clones, seemingly controlled by Danger. Logan brutally reiterates why Krakoa doesn't want or need Wade. As Logan approaches Danger, Wade teleports him out, but they get trapped by Maverick, who is looking to sell the contents of the briefcase, which looks like a version of Danger. Pros of the brutality and the violence, Definitely a more violent book, and that works for Wolverine. Cons are that I'm a little disappointed by the overall story with this book. I love X-Force generally, and it has the same writer, so I don't get why this doesn't work as well. Speaking of X-Force, we're going to talk about X-Force number 28 next. There's a Rogue Cerebro unit that the team needs to hunt down. I gave this a 3.5 out of 5. The Rogue Cerebro unit is killing and eating mutants in an effort to make itself a mutant. Wolverine alerting Kid Omega sends him straight to Phoebe to warn her, but her and her sisters are assholes to him, which is to be expected, especially after they broke up. Logan and Domino fight the rogue Cerebro at the Cradle after it's killed more mutants there. They get a stalemate, but Cerebrax, the new name of this Cerebro unit, is headed after Black Tom at the end of the issue. Pros start with the action feel of this book. It always feels big and ridiculous. I also like the exchange between Sage and Omega Red about changing the choices that you make. Cons are the Kid Omega Phoebe stuff. They're telepaths. You can read if someone is telling it the truth. It's pretty ridiculous to me. Finally, here we have X-Men Red Number 2. Brand moves her team against Arako using Vulcan. Give this a a 3.5 out of 5. Ah, Vulcan. Probably the worst Summers brother. He joins up with Brand as Manifold quits her team, and Vulcan ends up attacking Arako. Obviously a mistake because the regent, Aurora, shows up with her brotherhood and whoops the dog shit out of Vulcan and drops him on the floor like a piece of unworthy meat. As Vulcan licks his wounds, Brand points him at Tarn Uncaring. Pros are how Brand tries to run her team, but it inevitably backfires. Also, Storm continuing to be the mother of all badasses, What a delight. Cons are how much we're focusing on Vulcan. I just do not care for him as a character personally. All right, quick break, and then we're going to jump into the DC books. Stick around. Hello, I'm Anthony. And I'm Dr. Issues. And we're the hosts of Capes on the Couch, the podcast where comics get counseling. Superheroes don't always get to go home happy. That's where we come in. We offer psychiatric and mental health evaluation of comic book characters. We also chat with some of your favorite creators... Al Ewing, Erica Schultz, Gail Simone, Philip Kennedy Johnson, Chris Claremont, about their work on comics. So check out all our episodes at capesonthecouch.com and follows Capes on the Couch on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Hashtag, Hashtag Because, because Comics. Hey everyone, Jesse here from The Twisted Cape. If you're a fan of video games like me and also a fan of the fantastic dude bringing you this podcast, then boy, do I have the thing for you join mike on tuesday nights and sometimes other nights too when he feels like it on our twitch channel at twitch.tv/thetwistedkate he plays through all sorts of superhero related video games for your entertainment be sure to also give us a follow on twitch and if you're feeling extra generous go ahead and drop us a subscribe and join in on the chat and now enjoy the rest of the episode yeah we're back thanks so much for hanging out as we jump into these dc titles starting with action comics Number 1043 Clark continues to struggle on Warworld. I gave this a 3.25 out of 5. Clark continues to lead a revolt against Mongol and Warworld as Mongol moves against the United Planets, both overtly by going after a planet directly and covertly by blackmailing one of the leaders into giving him a warship that they developed specifically to combat Mongol. Midnighter is furious that they didn't go after Apollo, and now he's been moved to a more secure location, even though Apollo is now the source of Warzone's power. There is a backup story about the myth of how Mongol came to be. Pros are the writing and most of the art style of this issue. I never thought I would care about the goings on of Warworld like this, and the art adds just enough bleakness for it to feel right. Cons are some of the facial work in the art and the backup story. I understand wanting to add depth to mongol but i really don't like the backups in general now we have batman the knight number five of ten bruce's training forces him to sit with not being the best at something gave this a four and a half out of five anton and bruce start out by being tortured for 13 days by avery oblonsky in disguise who is testing them bruce gets outmaneuvered on a test and it's not great for his mental state Another item gets botched, and it turns into fighting, which we all know Bruce is good at. They escape, and Anton tries to console Bruce, but gets his pocket picked, and Bruce throws the book into the river. Oblonsky says that they are ready for masks now. Pros start with the creative team on this book. They work so well together, and this book is a true reflection of that. The cons, and its minor, are how Bruce acts like a spoiled brat when he doesn't get his way. guess it makes sense, but come on now we have batman superman world's finest number three batman and superman deal with the devil nasa batman and superman deal with the devil Naza's influence as robin and supergirl go to the past for information i gave this a 2.25 out of 5. batman and superman work with the doom patrol to find out the devil nasa has ties to cordo maltese meanwhile Robin and Supergirl are in the past digging up info on Devil Naza. However, in present time, Barry and Diana are taken off the board by Mr. Mirror Master and Dr. Alchemy. Batman and Superman get trapped by a mind controlled Hal Jordan, and Alfred is currently being controlled by Devil Nazza. Pros start with all the guest stars in this issue. It makes things way more fun when you use all your other heroes. Cons are how inconsequential the story feels upon a second reading. I often get excited for a team-up book between two of my favorite heroes, and I just wasn't there in this issue. Now we have a look at Detective Comics number 1060. This Riddler story continues, and there's another Gotham Girl backup. I give this a 1.5 out of 5. Bruce continues to work Caroline as Batman teams up with her mom. I swear this sounds like a film I've maybe watched. Won't commit to anything. Uh, Just to get to the bottom of Riddler's plan and how it all connects. Batman goes to Talia, who points him toward finding the Riddler sooner rather than later. He corners Darby Turner, who has Deb Donovan ready to be killed on top of the Gotham Gazette. She's stopped by Perry Green, and then Darby tries to end herself, but Batman saves her. In the commotion, Caroline appears and shoots Perry. In Gotham Girl, she zeroes in on who she thinks killed Andre, Dr. Meridian. Pros are that I like the Gotham Girl art. I also like Bruce using his duplicitous nature cons are basically everything else. I wasn't a huge fan of this book this week. It was money from a storytelling perspective. I hate the Riddler design. Just everything else. Now we have DC vs. Vampires Hunters number one. Damian makes a run at Dick. Okay, this is a 4.25 out of 5. Despite being a vampire, Damian is fulfilling a blade type of role as he goes up against Nightwing who is king of the vampires he engages in a lot of subterfuge to get close to dick he pretends to capture alfred and dick sniffs out the trap immediately because it's martian manhunter in disguise dick has captured all of damien's allies and damien goes after them right away in a couple of great pages murdering vampires along the way unlike main continuity damien saves alfred but gets burned badly in the process dick and alfred have a tense conversation and dick agrees to let them go but it seems like he's playing the long game Pros are the art and how fun this issue was to read. The splash pages of Damien rushing to Alfred is incredible. Cons are how disconnected this feels from the main title. All in good time, I suppose. Next up, we have Flash number 782. Flash and Kid Flash team up to show each other support. I gave this a 4.5 out of 5. Wally and Wallace use their brains alongside their speed and a healthy amount of magnets to bring down Girder and take him back to Iron Heights in a hilarious fashion. Meanwhile, Iris unintentionally reveals her speed powers to Jai and Irie. Flash and Kid Flash realize something is amiss, and they go to get stealth suits from Terrific Tech. The Warden is clearly up to something to try to gain power by becoming mayor. Linda tries to tell Wally about her powers, but he rushes off to join Dark Crisis. Pros are how fun this book feels again. I'm enjoying myself so much reading this book, and it's top to bottom. Cons are that work kinda retreading old ground with the corrupt Iron Heights warden, only this time he's trying to become mayor. That sound is me rolling my eyes. Now we have a look at Nightwing, number 92, Nightwing continues to improve his city as Heartless reappears. I gave this a 4.75 out of 5. This issue starts with a flashback to Robin directly disobeying Batman, as Robin was trying to do all he could to help someone in trouble, no matter what it cost him personally. In present day, Dick opens Haven and Bruce joins him near Alfred's statue. Blockbuster shows up with Dick's sister when John shows up as well. Blockbuster has men target Haven and prepare to burn it down, and Nightwing isn't having it. He stops and unmasks them all. Blockbuster hears a commotion at his office where Heartless has showed up with a proposal for him. Pros are, first of all, fuck you, Bruno. The art in this issue is unfucking fair dude. That splash with Nightwing leaping off a building contrasted against a full moon directly calls back to issue one with him against the sun. God damn it, dude. Cons are how short this issue felt. This is bullshit. Double this stuff up. I don't need Gotham Girl stories. Anyway, moving on to Shadow War. We're going to start with Deathstroke, Inc. number nine. Deathstroke deals with Respawn's death as Batman and Robin close in on the impersonator. I gave this a three out of five. Respawn is officially dead, when Batman and Robin corner Faux deathstroke aka Foe-Stroke. Meanwhile, Slade goes up against Batman Inc. Batman, meanwhile, has a suspect, but doesn't say anything quite yet. It turns out Deathstroke already knows, but doesn't care. He's now full force going against Talia and her League of Shadows. Pros are how this issue was overall fine, definitely getting close to the end of the series. It wasn't great, it wasn't terrible. Cons are that I don't like the art style in this book. I also don't hate it either. Overall, just a fine book. Now we have Shadow War Robin number 14. Deathstroke is killed and the Impersonator, aka Stroke, is revealed. I give this a four out of five. Batman and Robin leave Batman Inc. to go after Slade and Talia. Meanwhile, Slade is trying to kill everyone he can find. Batman tries to leave Robin behind, but Damien isn't having it. They join the fray with Batman Inc, and then Damien finds out Respawn has been killed. He's not happy, but keeps going. Talia murders Slade, and then Stroke reveals himself to be Geoforce. Pros are the pacing of the issue, and the art style. This issue keeps things moving far more than the previous issue did, and contains bigger revelations. Cons are that at this point, Geo Force seems like a weird pull to make your villain for the murder of Rachel Ghoul. Last few books here: Task Force Z, number eight. Jason steals Lazarus resin from Batman and is hunted by the Bat Family. I gave this is a four out of five. This issue is basically an Ocean's style heist from Batman. Jason's team keeps Batman distracted while Jason steals the resin. He gets caught and cornered by the Bat family, who he mocks, taunts, fights, and then escapes, all while turning the tables on them with some misdirection. He moves the Lazarus Resin out of sight, out of mind. Meanwhile, Bloom is continuing his mad scientist bullshit off in the background. Pros are how Jason plays everyone in the craziest ways. It's so much fun. Cons are how the Bloom stuff feels out of place in this issue. Could have been way more fun stuff with those pages back now we have teen titans academy number 15 the final issue of the series i gave this a two and a half out of five it's finally over the team on apocalypse comes back to earth gar and are quote unquote separated by raven but it's only an illusion chupacabra comes back to the tower after connecting with family and the team decides to open up the academy again honestly i'm glad it's over but I'm also glad it got a chance to sort of wrap things up. It was a clean wrap up too. Pros are in fact that clean wrap up. It's nice to see all the toys put back in the toy box. Cons are that I still hate what they did to Beast Boy and Cyborg. Kinda hate this book forever for doing that. Final book here, Wonder Woman, number 787. Diana returns to the world after the trial of the Amazons, but has to deal with Dr. Psycho's new team. I gave this a 3.25 out of five. Diana fights a guy named Altum on a submarine who has a tragic backstory and opts to just die on that sub, which is kind of weird. Meanwhile, Edda, Steve, and Siegfried go to meet Diana, but get stopped by some of Cisco's goons. They all unite in chat as Diana catches up on what Dr. Psycho has been doing, harnessing toxic masculinity, basically. At the end, he reveals his new villainy incorporated in young Diana, Diana spends some time with Antiope, and she plants the seed in Diana's head that Themyscira is possibly not enough for Diana. Pros are how packed the main story feels and Psycho assembling a team. It felt like they didn't know exactly what the story with Psycho was for a long time, uh, and now we know. Cons are these damn second stories. Just make them digital exclusives or something. All right, before we wrap up, we're going to do this weekly ranking. It's huge. They will be nine at a time. Let's go. Starting with number one, Moon Knight number 11, number two, Hulk number seven, number three, Nightwing number 92, number four, Thor number 25, number five, Flesh number 782, number six, DC versus Vampires, Vampire Hunter number one, seven, Avengers number 56, eight, Fantastic Four number 43, number nine, Robin number 14. Ooh, that's top tier. Now we move on to the second tier. Number 10, Devil's Reign Omega. Number 11, Task Force Z. Number 8. Number 12, Amazing Spider-Man. Number 2. Number 13, Eternals. Number 12. Number 14, Immortal X-Men. Number 2. Number 15, X-Men Red. Number 2. Number 16, X-Force. Number 28. Number 17, Savage Avengers. Number 1. And number 18, Wonder Woman. Number 787. Bottom tier here at 19, we have Action Comics number 1043. Number 20, we have Savage Spider Man number 3. Number 21, we have Legion of X number 1. At 22, we have New Mutants number 25. At 23, Deathstroke Inc. number 9. At 24, Wolverine number 21. Number 25, World's Finest number 3. Number 26, Teen Titans Academy number 15, and 27, Detective Comics number 1060. As we start to wrap up, if you want to be on the show, hit us up on Twitter at SpiderMike29 or at the Twisted Cape. Looking ahead to next week, I'm looking forward to reading from Marvel Strange No. 3, Avengers Forever No. 6, and Black Panther number 6. From DC, Justice League Road to Dark Crisis, Shadow War Omega, and Hardware No. 6. Follow us on all the socials youtube twitter facebook twitch instagram all at the twisted cape no spaces and a link is in the show notes we do a weekly show on youtube which is on hiatus right now and we also stream on twitch at least once a week which will start again very shortly as far as all the others if you follow us we'll follow you in return if you really like us and our shows feel free to support us by grabbing some of our merch from t public which also has a link in the show notes Finally, feel free to shoot us some feedback on this show to thetwistedcape at gmail.com and make sure you use the subject line MTS. Thanks for tuning in. So until next time, yeah, you got a little brother. It's about to be one more. What you think she's buying up all the Capri Suns for? Stay safe. Wear a mask. Please get that vaccine. And most importantly, stay twisted. It's the-